thank you for joining us on Love That VoiceOver, where we explore the people and projects behind the microphone in depth. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Rau. Keep listening to Love That VoiceOver. Oh, yeah, baby. I've been loving it. Hey, welcome, everybody. Thank you, you fabulous, beautiful, sexy listeners of Love That VoiceOver. I have a fabulous, wonderful, sexy guest to bring you today. Introducing Christina Milizia. Yay! <laughs> you are so sweet. Welcome, Christina. I don't um, think anyone's ever referred to me as sexy on an introduction before. I'm, I'm like thoroughly. Oh, forget <laughs> about it. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Hear that crowd? Yes. See, they respond. <laughs> she hails from Oakland, California. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Yep, that's, that's the San Francisco Bay Area, for those of you who need a, a kind of a, a point on the map. Christina has been a voice actress since the age of eight and in the business for 23 years. So basically, Christina is a veteran voice artist, even at a young age. She's bilingual with English and Spanish and working full time while now living in the Los Angeles area. Christina is very well known for her unique young and baby voices and famous because she has done the League of Legends characters Annie, Amumu, and Nunu, the Yeti writer. The Yeti writer. (laughs) (laughs) While getting recent attention, uh, probably with more things than this, but with her character Mari from the Mattel show Monster High, which I just watched a clip of. It was really fun. Christina is also president at the Global Voice Acting Academy, or Global Voice Acting Academy, her websites are com and globalvoiceacademy.com. Oh, and she was recently married, I guess in the last year or so. So her former name, for those of you who are aficionados of all the facts, is, her former name was Christina Uyoa. Uyoa? Well done. Uyoa? Yeah, it is Christina Uyoa. Uyoa. Well done. Okay. FYI, everybody. Welcome again, Christina, okay. to love that voiceover. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to to be here. This is my first like official ever really in-depth interview. So, um, well, we're so excited me. to have this exclusive. Ah! We're excited. <laughs> you guys, you don't know what this talented woman uh, is all about. And we're going to find out all about her now. And we can go everywhere and find out about everything as long as she's willing. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm an open book. I'm- well, listen, I just touched on a couple of your credits. Do you want to run through any of the ones that I left out? Because I know I missed some. Um, you know what? I, a, a lot of my work, especially um, my early work, was primarily f- uh, in toys, uh, toys and games. So most of my early work I was all, I apologize, there's a truck outside. Okay. Um, most of my, uh, you know, all of it was very standalone uh, dolls and uh, different, uh, you know, electronic toys and whatnot. Um, so a lot of those are obviously not as well known, but there were just many, many, many years of that. That was my original work. Um, and that was because I was bilingual and I could sing. Um, and so that was very valuable for the, for the kids' education, um, educational genres. Right. Um, I forgot so to mention those, that she sings and her parents sang, so it's kind of in the family. Yep, it is It is in the family. Um, I've done a lot of Care Bears. Um, I've done, um, I don't know if you've ever seen like that little Hallmark bear. It comes like with the Hallmark flowers and you squeeze yes. it. It says, I love you. That's me. Oh um, my God. <laughs> awesome. That one is funny. I did that one when I was like 10. Oh my I think, God. And I see it everywhere now. 
now. Not as much anymore, but for a while it was. Yeah, it was I totally seen that. I totally funny. know. Probably everybody knows what that is. That's yeah, Hallmark. So, I think I've been torturing uh, families and, and parents everywhere for many, many years with with, <laughs> with the baby terrifying voices. toys. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I can just hear them like just with the toy over and over again, just wanting to just be like, oh God, make it stop. So. <laughs> Um, that was my early stuff. You mentioned most of the big stuff, obviously, uh, League of Legends, which was uh, so random. You know, I, d I did that. I spent an hour doing it. And then to find out years later that it's essentially the biggest video game in the world, was it was a shock. Um, and, uh, of course, very exciting yeah. as well. Um, yeah. Especially because when I found out about that, I had just moved to L.A., and I had made that big decision, okay, I'm going to pursue voiceover full, full time. Right. Really give it up my all and try to make something um, really big and something long lasting. And, um, and then to find out once I was already there that I already had fans all over the world was, was bizarre. Yeah, it was just bizarre to, to be like, okay, I'm going to follow my dream. And then to have something like that happen, it just made me realize, you know, things can happen to you in your life and you have no idea how you're affecting other people or the world um, at large. Yeah. I mean, all of us, we walk around, we have our experiences, and, and it really, everything we do every day, you have no idea what those what those repercussions are or how far it goes. <laughs> yeah, well, it, for good and for bad. And exactly. so it just made me more conscientious of, wow, everything that I do in my career and my personal life, you never know where that goes. And yeah. so, um, so I just, it was a very... Um, sobering and, and wonderful thought as well. So that was just a huge gift, um, especially because my husband works for Riot Games. Ah. And uh, our, on our first date, we discovered that we had both worked on the same project. And he had been listening to my voice for the past four years. Wow. Um, which That's was awesome. Very, yeah, it was amazing. He's the one who first told me about League of Legends. I didn't know what it was. Um, no clue whatsoever. <laughs> and he was like, you realize you have fans all over the world. And we were on a first date. So I was just like, yeah, right. Like, Liar. Like, He's just, just trying to talk it up. up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I seriously thought he That's was fantastic. just, you know, I thought it was, it's a tiny little genre and he's just pretend like, he's like, yeah, it's really cool, but it's like cool to 10 people or something. But <laughs> I literally had absolutely no idea. I was like, yeah, I'm some character named like a Moo. I was like, this didn't know what, I was like, I don't know if that even is anything anymore. And he was like, what? You're Annie and a Moo? And <laughs> he was like, whoa. And I was whoa. like, okay. So and that in was fact, exciting. to add on that, because she was really clueless about it. When I went and did some research for our interview, I was watching, she has a YouTube page too. And I don't know how frequently you, you update it or anything, but you put out two, at least that I watched, two videos where you're just talking as Christina, talking to your fans. And yep. they each had, I think, at least or right around 50,000 plus views. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't looked for a while. I do, I do get a lot of fan mail, which is adorable. And she was having to ex express to people, if you want an autograph, and I'm really embarrassed. Those were her words. I'm really <laughs> embarrassed to have to express this, but if you want, and she explained how they can get an autograph. In fact, we'll probably have to put that in our notes, too. <laughs> well, I, I, it's, it's such, a, again, it's just such a shocking thing to know that you have fans. It's just, you know, it's, I think it's probably a shock to anyone who ends up doing something big and they really didn't know anything about it. And um, getting fan mail in and of itself, I whenever I get a piece of fan mail, I feel 
tremendously humbled and I feel like I just want to do more. I feel like I need to work really hard to deserve the fact that someone feels this way about my work and that it's meaningful to them. Um, So, and originally I was so embarrassed about it that like, I didn't know what to do because people would send me stuff and they're like, can you just sign a picture of your character or whatever? And I'd be like, I don't have any pictures. (laughs) Like I don't have any stuff of of her right. and then I was like, so I was just signing like a piece of paper but that was lame because like you don't want to send someone an autograph on like lined notebook paper like that's dumb so eventually I finally had some you know actually like postcards with a picture of my characters on it made so that I could sign it in like cool you know in cool sharpie and address it but um that was only recent and I finally like put that together like, okay, let's just do that and it was just because someone wrote me this just really deep and heartfelt letter wow and she was yeah, and it was like really well expressed and well written, and it was obviously not like a ten year old. It was someone who was an adult, and and she was talking about her her goals and how you know she hoped that I was pursuing my dreams and working hard. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is really deep, and <laughs> so I, I gotta to get it together. <laughs> oh yeah, well, and I was just like, wow, it's you know, it's not just little kids. It's not you know, that's a it's a whole range of people, and so I yeah. wanted to do something special that would be meaningful to her, and so um, I finally got some some better um, autographing. <laughs> well, well, I think you're gonna have to send so. me one too now. Thank I you will. For your... I will. <laughs> and I'll tell you what to write on it too, because I know that was your instructions. <laughs> okay. yes. You know, tell me what you want. Um, well, I think so... the cutest. What? No, sorry. The cutest ones I, w- um, I was gonna say are from um, couples. Because a lot of people play, um, like, they and their girlfriend or, you know, boyfriend will... Oh, yeah. They will play Annie and Amumu, who supposedly have a romantic connection of some kind in the game. Yeah. And so they just, like, couples often send me fan Oh, mail that's saying, cute. You know, you know, we you love playing yeah. you. <laughs> that's sweet. So anyway. It's well, obviously, cute, so. that has made you a big star on the map of voiceover and in gaming. Hey there. Thanks for listening to Love That Voiceover. Just a small quick break to say thank you so much. This is my passion project, which means, you know, I'm not making money on this. It's just my way to give back to the VO community, which has given me so much over the years. So this show is my way of passing it on. I also want to thank you for listening. I'm so glad you like it. If you don't mind taking a moment to get a little bit more involved and you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe to the show and rate the show with some stars or some comments. Go to lovethatvoiceover.com and sign up on the list and I'll send you notifications when I have new interviews, new guests. Also on Facebook, there's a Facebook page, Love That Voiceover, where you can leave me comments. And on Twitter, you can chat with me after you've listened to a show. Just send me a note at love that vo obviously though that isn't the only thing that you're doing and have been doing and you started somewhere and there's a really cool story about how you got started because as i understand it your mom was auditioning for a voiceover gig where the casting also needed a kid's voice can you tell us that story absolutely so um I was about, I was eight, about eight years old, and my mother is a professional singer. Uh, Both my parents are professional vocalists and musicians, and she wanted to expand into voiceover. So she got an agent and started auditioning, and, you know, being a kid, I just went with her to her auditions, and I was just waiting in the waiting room. And then uh, on one occasion, the casting director came out with her and said, you know, uh, you were great, but we were really looking for a younger voice on this project. And then he saw me and he said, would your daughter like to try? And she asked if I would, and I said, of course. Of sure. course. Yeah, that's, <laughs> she said. that's more what happened. And I, I sounded like a chipmunk at that time. 
Uh, I really, I sounded like a chipmunk when I was little. I've, it was very, like, people would laugh. And I actually had a lisp when I was young. Yeah. Uh, which I've worked very hard on. So, and, uh, you know, and I, I still work on to make sure that my narration is clean and whatnot. Um, but, so I was just this really lispy little, like, chipmunky sounding voice. Oh, and, um, but for the toy world and for a lot of kids' products, that was, that was highly prized. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you go in? So you just went in and booked it immediately or? I, Yep, I went in and I booked the job, and it was like a three thousand dollar job for the learning company. Wow! Um, we're doing a Reader Rabbit computer CD-ROM series, cool. and the the person I that cast me, his name is Ned Lott, and um, he went on afterwards to work for Disney Character Voices. Um, so, and he now he casts Miyazaki and, and goodness knows what else. Um, everything. That's wonderful. So he was the very first one who ever got me into anything. So and thanks. now he's, thanks, Ned Lott. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I met him in a training, and he's a really cool guy, too. He's really down to earth and really nice. Yes. And, uh, and that's an awesome start. Um, what, you know, did that, did that moment launch you into this career? Was that just kind of a one-off, or how did you move forward from there? So from there, um, the other, you know, the other place where I did begin to get work was my mother also did a series of children's albums uh, in bilingual, uh, bilingual children's children's albums, teaching people English and kids English and Spanish. So I go in and a lot of it had these like kids choruses on there. Yeah. Uh, And so she would get a bunch of, you know, maybe five to 10 kids to come in and sing on the album. So I, of course, was one of those kids. And um, as I understand it, many of the engineers and the directors of those sessions would come to my mom afterwards and say, who is that one? And she said, that's my daughter. And they said, well, we want to bring her in for some other stuff. <sighs> um, and Sweet. so so basically through Ned Lott, um, through the learning company, and then through a couple of other uh, studios that my mother had produced this album, series of albums that I would just get chosen. And they just asked, will she do some work? And it was purely for the fact that I was young that I was in a performing household so performing was very natural to me I wasn't shy at all I was very outgoing yeah Um, I had a very high little voice and um, I was bilingual and I could sing so that really you know for a while when the toy industry was really big that was that was I mean every toy had was a little singing toy with a few phrases and if you could get it in English and Spanish even better right so I I was just useful, and I you guess. Were, and you were in a good niche. <laughs> niche. Niche. Yeah. Niche. I don't awesome. Know. <laughs> awesome. So you were in the right place at the right time in many moments. <laughs> hey, so it, we're going to be really right just... back. Yeah, we're going to be right back. We're going to pick up on this. We're not finished yet. We're going to take a quick break. Do you want more wild abandon in your life? How about more time to practice character voices? Then hop on into voiceover improvisation. Yes, online on Skype from the great ease of your home studio. Learn more. Go to vo-improv.com or Twitter at voimprov. Fire up your neurons, baby. All right, back to the show. And we're back picking up on toys. Toys and Christina. Thank you for that story. Wow. Amazing. Toys and singing and uh, Spanish and English. Big start. And that was, I did it all through school. I did it from eight years, uh, eight years old on, all through middle school and high school. And um, my parents tried to limit 
my work so that it didn't interfere too much with school. But I, of course, loved working because it meant I got to miss school. <laughs> and they'd give me like 20 bucks, you know. That was like my big reward if I did a job. They'd be like, here's your 20 bucks. And oh, like, my yeah. God. <laughs> Were you union? No, it's all non-union work. Okay, all, wow. all, all, almost, yeah, all non-union, all toys are non-union for the most part. I, I'm sure there are some that are union, but I've never done one. Okay. So, um, so your parents kind of regulate. I was going to ask you, how did you balance that work and regular kid life, including school? And you kind of mentioned, but elaborate. It never, it never occurred to me that it was like a weird thing. And it never occurred to me that it was special or that I would ever do it as a living. It was just something fun that I got to go do because I had a blast. It was fun. Right. Uh, and Because uh, I and imagine I, some of those sessions had to be during school hours. So you had to leave school. Oh, they were all during school hours. <laughs> oh my so God. again, it was the highlight. It was a blast. It, it was, you know, I, I loved it. And um, I got to just go in there and be a ham and be silly. And, and Goof it was, off, basically. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was fairly straightforward. Um, my parents put a lot of the money away. Um, I actually grew up um, fairly poor. Both my parents are musicians, as I mentioned. So not a, <laughs> not a super well-paying lifestyle. <laughs> Um, so it actually helped fund a lot so of things. So your mom isn't share, for example. <laughs> well, I mean, the majority, I think there's a, a saying in, in the music world, which is um, real musicians have a day job. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's a, it's a tough, tough industry. Yeah. And it's really intensive hours on late nights, on weekends, and it's a hard lifestyle. So, yeah. um, but it helped fund a lot of things for me as a kid. I, I paid for my braces. Um, That's sweet. I, my dad you see your smile. His- no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll yeah, post and- that in the video. <laughs> um, when I turned 18, I took a trip to Europe um, for like three or four months. And just because I had a, just a big pile of money that I was able to just go and That's explore the world with. And yeah. yeah, it was amazing. So I was very lucky. Very exciting because a lot of kids don't have those kinds of opportunities, especially paying for it for themselves. You know, a lot of the times the parents are putting away, you know. So that's really cool that your voiceover or that your parents really helped you to, to regulate that. And, um, you know, in terms of all that work, obviously it was a lot of fun. Are there any particular high points that you will just cherish forever for the rest of your life? Oh, goodness. Um, honestly, just working with the different directors mm. was amazing. I, I wish... I wish that my if I, I wish I knew what projects I had done during that time because of my, my parents didn't notate like oh, what wow. so I mean I just I wish I knew what what those projects were I wish I knew where they were I wish I knew what they had turned into but they didn't take notes on any of that the way Got that you know we, we do professionally now so I do wish I, I knew more about that um, but mostly just so I mean the thing I took away most was just working with the directors because it was always men for whatever reason there weren't a lot of women in the field at that time yeah and I just always remember the the director the male directors giving me line reads okay you know in little girl voices which (laughs) always I always thought was hilarious so like I just it cracked me up they would just be like okay now now I want it to be let's let and I would just sound so funny doing all these like girly princessy yeah cutesy phrases so I just that was probably my favorite thing about yeah it. that's <laughs> funny that's a funny and memory. the 20 bucks yeah the 20. yeah of course of that, course that was, yeah so <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you didn't think about it as being a career obviously you're just a kid you're kind of playing you're having fun you're earning some cash you're having some fun with that but you didn't really think of it as work obviously Never. right but did you ever have any moments you know as you got older in middle school or in high school um, that you were still in school, but you were thinking, is this a career I should consider? 
Or were you ever considering Whoa. other careers? No. Oh my God. I didn't, I wasn't going to do voiceover. I just, it was just something I did like on the side because it was fun. Um, That's and the I question. Always, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I just always assumed I'd probably do it, but I was considering like every other high schooler, what do I want to do with my life? You know, yeah. I looked at like, I have various interests. Um, and, and I also went through a period of, I didn't want to do what my parents do, you know, right. did. I, I wanted to. Right. And also I saw, having grown up the way that I did, artists struggling to make a living. Right. And I didn't want to be that person. It caused a lot of stress um, within their marriage and within our family life, um, the finances. Of and um, because of that, I, I wanted to get as far away from it as I could. Gosh, and, wow. So you did so, other, consider other careers. Yeah, I had no desire to, to be a full-time artist at all. Absolutely none. Um, I went to... Uh, I received a wonderful scholarships from both NYU and uh, Boston University. Mm. And I chose Boston University because I didn't want to be around the artistic. Um, so you were pushing th- yourself away from it. Right. And I went across the country and I chose to study business and statistics. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I got the math award in school. I'm kind of a nerdy, like, I'm a little nerdy. And so I had a number of academic scholarships as well. And um, I got almost a full ride to BU. And so that's what I did. And um, after two years of cold and business school um, and working at Jamba Juice for seven bucks an hour, because there wasn't. (laughs) That hurts. Oh, my God. After 20 bucks for joking around in front of the mic. Well, yeah, and hundreds of dollars in, in savings. Like, that, that's the problem is, like, I was spoiled by very regular work and voiceover all growing up. So when I got to the point where I had to do, like, Starbucks and Jamba Juice, yeah. I was like, this is, this is not it. Um, <laughs> it. And I was helping pay my way through school because, um, again, my parents just didn't have a lot of um, right. finances. Right, to help. right, right, right. And so I was just working really hard trying to manage all this stuff and making very little money to help get through school. And I was having a hard time paying for books and and just basics. And I was like, you know what? This is perfect for our transition from the first part of our interview to the second part of our interview. So we're going to find out how she deals with the dilemma of leaving artistic life and deciding that was maybe the right place to be, or does she? Well, we kind of know what happens in the end, but we'll find out the details (laughs) in part two of our interview with Christina Melizia. Thanks for joining us on this part, Christina. Thank you for joining us on Love That Voiceover, where we explore the people and projects behind the microphone in depth. This is Rick Riley, commercial, promo, and documentary voice of NFL's Minnesota Vikings. Keep listening to Love That Voiceover with Love That Rebecca. Hey, all you fabulous, sexy, beautiful, wonderful, awesome listeners of Love That VoiceOver. So happy to have you back. So happy to have you back for part two with Christina Milizia. Welcome back, Christina. Thank you. Yay, Yay, Love That VoiceOver. Yay. I forgot to mention this in the first part, but as we started our interview today, Love That VoiceOver has hit over 100,300 something downloads or listens. So uh, we, yeah, you're bringing good luck to our show too. I mean, you should be so proud. I'm very, very proud. I just think it's amazing all of these different, you know, and now there's more and more quality podcasts and shows and educational resources for voice actors and opportunities to connect 
across the world. So thank you for being yeah. a part of that. Yeah, and this is one reason actually that you touch on that. Uh, it's the reason why I do it, and the reason why I started it back in um, Jan. Well, I actually started it in 2011, but it didn't officially start airing until January of 2012. But yeah, this is why I do it, and I really think that's important to go in depth because there's a lot of sort of uh, on the surface stuff out there, and it's really nice to kind of hear about the heart and soul of people in the business and how they've lived through things, which is where we left off, actually, with you at the end of part one, which is so exciting to me. As I was preparing, (laughs) I was telling Christina, as I was preparing to speak with her about her career so far, because she is a veteran, um, that I thought, gee, how did you make that transition from going and doing this as a kid in school uh, to to becoming a full-time voiceover talent. And when we left at the last part of her interview, she was telling us about how she had gone to college in Boston, at BU, Boston University, and had decided to leave it behind her. Right. She was taking those other aspects of her personality that she'd you know, shown uh, credible skills in during her um, pre-college schooling and you were focusing in that arena, but you were also realizing at Jamba Juice, and did you say you worked at Starbucks too? Starbucks, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> that you weren't appreciating the the value of the pay there. So no. pick up from there. Pick up from there and tell us what happened, man. I have great empathy for anyone who works at a place like that. Because yeah. it's, it's hard. I it's did really- six months of Burger King. <laughs> nice. Oh my God. I'm sure we've all done, you, you know, something. At, at some point. But, um, I, I actually did try to find voiceover work in Boston um, when I was there and oh. was not able to find much of it, um, if any, uh, especially not in my field, which was, you know, the toys and games or just there wasn't or, or if there was, I didn't couldn't there, find it. Yeah, so. the limited, limited uh, producers in that location. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what started turning things around for me was um, obviously the finance, just from a practical point of view of just being like, well, you know, uh, my parents are having a really hard time financially. Um, I think my father had actually, you know, just had absolutely no money left. Like they were going through it. The reaper, repercussions of an ugly divorce, and oh, um, wow. there just was no su- no support financially from them at all, and I just couldn't keep making it happen with with the job, you know, yeah, the university. Job yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's expensive, and exactly. um, even though I, you know, had a very big scholarship, it's just you know, books and I mean, books alone were like just it was crazy. I was just like six hundred dollars, four six hundred something anyway, absurd. Right. So I was just like. Um, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. It was just a ton of work. And on top of it, um, I was in the cold for the first time. Was not taking Boston, well. Compared to, to California. The, yeah. Was not taking well to that. Um, and I, I wasn't thrilled. I just wasn't happy with the experience. And I was like, why am I sitting here struggling so hard? I don't even like it here. It's freezing cold. <laughs> I'm going to go home and do some voiceover work, save some money, and then maybe go back to school. So that's what I did. Wow. I um, I told my parents, look, I'm just I, I don't like the program I'm doing, and you know I didn't stress the finances too much to them because they were going through their own struggles and were you know I didn't want to put any additional pressure, so I wanted to just right. take care of myself. What an adult so, uh, you were. Well, they you know it's it's no it's seriously hard yeah well yeah you know, I think that it's nice to hear that because. Um, it's a different perspective than I've often heard. There's always been, um, usually I don't hear about people starting as a kid, okay? I don't have a lot of guests that have started as a child like you have. And so it's really important to talk about the whole life aspect 
That's what I was mentioning and why I think in-depth interviews are really important because we find out about how people go through the life, which includes voiceover, right? No, and whenever I listen to interviews, I always learn something just really amazing about people's process and how they, you know, again, that thought process that they go through in their life experience does make a big difference. Yeah. so, because there is no formula for how you get anywhere. It's different for everyone. Right. And the motivation is very different for, for people. And, and, um, and knowing the, the barriers yeah. or the obstacles can be different to kind of push you in different directions, right? Exactly. They can yeah, be internal. Exactly. They can be external. Exactly. Hey there. Thanks for listening to Love That VoiceOver. Just a small quick break to say thank you so much. This is my passion project, which means, you know, I'm not making money on this. It's just my way to give back to the VO community, which has given me so much over the years. So this show is my way of passing it on. I also want to thank you for listening. I'm so glad you like it. If you don't mind taking a moment to get a little bit more involved and you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe to the show and rate the show with some stars or some comments. Go to lovethatvoiceover.com and sign up on the list and I'll send you notifications when I have new interviews, new guests. Also on Facebook, there's a Facebook page, Love That Voiceover. And on Twitter, you can chat with me after you've listened to a show. Just send me a note at lovethatvo. But yeah, so I basically just didn't want to, I didn't want to rely on my parents anymore. I knew they were struggling. So I came home and I approached um, one of the, one of my previous very regular employers uh, in voiceover. And I said, hey, I'm back in town if you need any work. Sweet. (laughs) And uh, when I first came back, initially, I went back and I got my old job, which I had been doing in high school. Which was, I actually worked in a reptile store. (laughs) Oh my God, a reptile, not just an animal or pet store, a reptile store. It was an exotic pet store. And we, um, I worked there at the end of high school. And, um, and then when I came back from college, I worked there for a short period of time. And this was right before I called, um, creativity. And so I just, you know, since that's just an odd fact, if you just mentioned it. um, She worked in a reptile uh, exotic animal store. I really like snakes. I don't know why. I just always. <laughs> That's awesome. You have it's some bizarre. sort of Mayan ancestry. Yeah. My parents thought I was nuts. Um, <laughs> I, I, again, I think I was in like that. Whatever shocks your parents is always awesome too. Kind of yeah. um, thing. And uh, it was it, that was really the first thing I ever did that was just super independent. And um, I, I was one of like maybe two or three females on staff. The rest sure. were all men. And we had like just giant, you know, Burmese pythons and reticulated pythons and poison dart frogs and iguanas and chameleons. And and that was a blast. I loved that. I absolutely loved that. Um, it was so fun. So anyway, I came back and I worked there for, you know, I think, I don't know, maybe six months or maybe a few months. short term, right, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, it was right. just like, okay, I'll just go back there. And then that's when I started calling all of the various voiceover um, companies that I had done work for so I could begin to earn some money on the side. Did your voice change? Like, did you get older and lose some of the kid voice or? You know what? No. Um, And the, the, they were worried about that. And and that was a worry. That was a worry from about age 12 on. Okay. They kept calling me and I'd be like, we have to do it before your voice changes. We have to do it before your voice changes. Like I would hear this all the time. Interesting. um, Well, you're not a boy, which we know really does happen. 
Yeah, but for girls, it, it definitely happens as well, depending on the girl. And yeah. my, my voice did change, but I think that just through being in so many sessions, I was trained how to pitch it up. Sweet. Um, and so they just, I don't know, I just kept being able to access that range. So I, I never really... Can you really... still do the squirrel voice of, of... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So... Well, come on. It, so it just... give us some. Uh, I mean, this, this kind of range is... Um, I mean, it helps if I warm up a little bit, yeah. but... Um, She's doing as, as cold, I, folks. As I get older, it gets harder and harder, and I have to do longer warm-ups, but it's still pretty accessible. That's nice. That's nice. It's so cute. Yeah. And if, if you guys didn't know, I'm watching her on video, and she starts moving around like a little kid in her chair, oh. too, <laughs> which I think is really important and a point that's about, you know, using your physicality as well. And it's Absolutely. not just a, a voice um, tactic or trait, a vocal trait. It's a character. And so she's been able to contain or maintain, let's say, that character aspect for her own work. So you yeah. got back. You uh, did some part-time, you know, reptile work. Reptile work. <laughs> As yeah. the bridge to get back from Boston to come back to Northern California at that point, right? So, yep. so. Basically, you know, how did you get to where you are now in terms of uh, before the L.A. move? How long ago did you move to L.A.? All these questions. It's an interview. Um. (laughs) Where do you want to start? You're so funny. You're awesome. (laughs) We have to hang out sometime. I know. I Um, totally hang out with you. Plus, I Italy's like snakes, amazing. too. Do you really? <laughs> well, I not had no fear. I, I grew up in Pennsylvania in Philadelphia area, went to the Philadelphia Zoo, and they had this kid section. You know, I was a little kid, like probably 10, and they like hung this big old giant snake over my shoulders and my arms and everything, and my mom was freaking out like she was ready to come <laughs> rip me out of their arms, and I was like, so cool, and my dad was so proud because he's like this Mr. Science, you know, so he was like so proud that I wasn't fearful. I just thought it was the most amazing thing. You know, yeah, I think I think they're cool. I think they're just beautiful creatures. Um, and I think that their evolution um, is amazing. They can go for months and months without eating. They can go for up to a year without water. I think something just crazy. I just beyond us. I think they're just yeah, they're very cool. So yeah. I just I know I like them. I actually have a snake tattoo. I don't know if you can. But yeah, I got that so, when I was 18. So yeah, that's um, very okay, cool. so came back. Came back, came back. Um, came back, you got established. Yeah. They called you. They were happy to have you. They yep. realized so your back. voice didn't change. So I kept on working, um, you know, doing some jobs on the side. And then um, I think after the first job or so, um, Charlie, who was my boss at, uh, sorry, not my boss at the time, but later became my boss at Creativity. When I went in one day, he said, hey, would you like to work here? What and is Creativity. Creativity Inc. Incorporated is, um, I would describe them as a kind of a creative services company. They, um, their motto or their, sorry, their tagline is uh, noise for toys. So basically they did all of the voiceover, music, sound effects, programming, and later on artwork and game design for toys and games. Sweet. So, you know, he said, and I think at that time they were looking for like a receptionist. Right. So they... He said, do you want to work here? And I was like, okay, sure. Let's talk about it. So they offered me this really sort of, and and I think every voice talent will appreciate this, at the time, this ideal position, which basically means a salaried job. Right. 
for good pay. Right. And doing, but also being hired as a basically an in-house internal uh, full-time voiceover talent for a recording studio. Wow. We had three recording studios and they did a ton of voiceover for toys and they wanted me to just be there. And so we worked out a deal where I was paid a flat rate per week based on how many voiceovers I was doing on average for them a week. So oh, great. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, and so, and as a voice talent, I mean, this was like the dream. I think this is a dream of every voice talent. Yeah, you're in the I, home, I, you're in the hub, and you're in the mix, re- always ready and available. Well, and on top of it, a regular paying job. Plus a regular paying you know, job. A salaried voiceover job and a 401k and full oh, benefits. Oh, gosh. A real, medical. real gosh. Right. So, I mean, okay. I was like 21, 20. Sweet. When this started, I was right. 20 years old. And I suddenly was making a ton of money and just doing voiceover. Like, Yay. you know, I answered a few phones and then I just did voiceover the rest of the time. And, um, wow. and we, again, we worked at flat rate per week. So it was advantageous. They threw me in there for everything, wow. which was so cool because it was like I got to try stuff that I would never normally try. And they would want me to have it because they would make money, you know, if I booked. Right. So, I mean, I was recording on average, you know, eight to ten hours a week at least. Wow. Um, yeah. Actual jobs and wow. auditions wow. Um, and with the whole team being like yeah Christina do Yay! it you know <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome your own cheerleading squad it was so cool and so like I um, I was happy as a peach yeah and I was like wow this is amazing and so and while I was there I got I learned so much I learned so much and I stayed for six years um, oh wow I went from being uh, originally the receptionist which they discovered I was terrible at um <laughs> <laughs> I was like the worst receptionist. I feel bad like to this day. I think I was just like a total pain to them, honestly. But they, they tolerated me because I just, you know, I was I was like the young, talented, like kind of like, you know, okay. But she's kind of a brat, but, you know, whatever. But but it's more just because, not brat, but like I was very... Wait, wait, um, wait. Tell people why you were so bad as a receptionist. <laughs> okay, this is... I don't know what your guess might be, but this is this is the actual reason. This is really bizarre. I have this ability to tune out any noise that I don't like. Yeah. And I think this is because my parents are musicians. And so and they would have these rehearsals like really late at night with like blaring trumpets, like 12 piece band at like two in the morning. And so and I would go to them with all to all their gigs when I was little. I would just go and like just sit in the, you know, the back off or the green room or whatever while they played their their jobs you know way late into yeah. the night yeah and you could sleep there probably too so but I had you to. had to so yeah. I just when I don't deem a noise beneficial to my life yep. then I just I don't hear it anymore yep it happens it out. to this day yeah I don't mean to do it it's like completely unintentional but for whatever reason and under some deep subconscious thing I really didn't care about the phone yeah. even oh. though I wanted to care about the phone it was my job to care about the phone but I couldn't <laughs> care about the, it was terrible they were like Christina your job is to answer the phone the phone's ringing answer the phone <laughs> I was like oh Oops. I didn't even hear it I didn't hear it I, and it was I awful I didn't hear it I, you said it in that voice right the the squirrely voice still Oh, man, it was, yeah. So they discovered that I was no good at that. So <laughs> they transferred, they decided to move me into something else. It was so great, though, because they were just like, okay, let's just try something else. Yes. So they just they wanted me there. So they just like That's moved me around until we found something that worked. That's awesome. So what they did instead is they put me in charge of all of the voiceover casting. Yay! So, Perfect. Yeah, and that, of course, I loved. Yeah. So it was my 
be in charge of finding voice talent for all of our projects. So I became like a casting director, the voice talent coordinator. And so it was my job to gather auditions and to work with the agents and to work out payment and pricing and negotiation. Oh, my God. What a great business school that was. It was. And I just I mean, I got paid to learn. And in the meantime, I just got to do voiceover. Get so if anybody every- wasn't jealous of you until now, they are absolutely <laughs> jealous of you at this point, including me. It's so awesome. I'm going to take a quick break. We have some commercials. We'll be right Can back I- with Christine Lizia if she decides to answer the phone. Do you want more wild abandon in your life? How about more time to practice character voices? Then hop on into voiceover improvisation. Yes, online on Skype from the great ease of your home studio. Learn more. Go to vo-improv.com or Twitter at voimprov. Fire up your neurons, baby. All right, back to the show. And we're back. In, after the break, we're back with Christina Valencia. And she, she, has, she, has, she has just admitted that she was sucking as a receptionist because she was supposed to be answering the phone, but she would tune out the phone sound. So, <laughs> And you got into other work as the casting director and kind of negotiator, right? Right, absolutely. Officially, my title was like voice talent coordinator. Again, I was in charge of all the casting. So, um, But basically, and also coordinating studio sessions and... Um, you know, booking the talent. And and that was when I met, I began to be aware that there was a whole world of voice actors out there. Up until that point, I don't think I'd ever met another voice actor except for for one other girl, um, because she and I are like basically uh, very similar in terms of casting. So we'd always see each other at the same auditions. Um, Mm. You know, aside from that, I just I didn't realize there were just all of these wonderful voice actors out there. So I got to start to meet some of the people that are now some of my closest and oldest friends. Oh, that's sweet. Um, and some of my coaches now as well at the GVAA. So, right. um, but it was my job to to meet and greet and listen to demos and decide who went into our internal, um, you know, pool of talent. And now, if you don't mind me asking, how long ago was that? I mean, place this in your career span until today. Like, where do we fit that? It was uh, about twenty to twenty five, twenty six. Age 20 to 25, 26, which was, I am 31 now. I'm almost. Okay, okay, so five, six, seven years ago, depending yeah. on, you know, how close we want to be on that. Okay, great, all right. Not too, not too long ago. Um, right. It was a tough job to leave, and I think any voice talent who would, would have a hard time leaving, you know, getting to be around that much of the industry all the time and, and getting a chance to do a shot, you know, take a shot at pretty much every voiceover job that came in was... Yeah. You know, and, and have, again, the team rooting for you to book it, um, right. which was pretty cool. And it's again, obviously, the cool. clients, yeah, the clients were the one who chose, you know, who went, um, you know, who did the actual job. But, you know, getting to be included in every initial round it's <laughs> pretty, pretty sweet. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good odds. Pretty damn yeah. good odds. Tell us a high point or two of being there besides what we've obviously just talked about, right? Um, that was really my biggest, I think, growing time mm. as a talent because um, I was for the first time hearing other voice actors and what they were doing, being able to compare my skill set to, to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until that point, the only voiceover I had ever done was Little Girl Voices. That was it. Okay. So you were starting so, I mean, expanding your own range professionally. Right. So 
Exactly. So 12, year, 12 years of little girl voices. That's all I did. And then all of a sudden, I had access to adult roles. And I had no idea how to do adult voiceover. It was weird. You yeah. know? Like, I didn't, I didn't know how to do it. And um, so I got a, a, an incredible education of being able to see and, and listen to other top quality talent in the Bay Area. And um, Did you go to school in the Bay Area for like night classes or anything? Or did you just stick with the for day voiceover? job? Yeah, I was just curious. Nope. No. I didn't take a single voiceover class or until acting? I was hard. Nope. Um, I never took a voiceover class until I was teaching voiceover myself. And I, I mean, I did as a kid, you know, growing up with performing parents, performance and um, sure, musical sure, theater. Sure. Musical. I did a lot of musical theater. I did a lot of, um, you know, plays and Shakespeare. And um, I love musical theater. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, my mom actually used to teach musical theater. And so, of course, I'd be in all of those productions as That's well. Great. You had so much um, already rich in terms of knowledge. Yeah. So yeah. I think the acting was more just because, I mean, I did do it in, in high school. Um, I, again, took a break in college, but it had always been a part of my life. Right. Um, so second nature, if you will. Almost. It, yeah, it was just it was part of it at yeah. that point. And, but most of it at that point was still instinctual. It was just from not from having studied in depth and worked through thing worked through these concepts um, in a conscious way. Right. So I had no formula. I had no method right. at all. Right. For how Except I Except for how the other directors, these older men, used to give yes. you their little girl voices <laughs> and they would kind of give you the line reads, which right. gave you something that for, for, with repetition over 12 years, you picked something up from that too. Uh, yes. Yeah. So my training was from directors in the studio, but again, all of it was just something that had unconsciously and subconsciously come together over a period of time. So I really had no idea what I was actually doing. It was just, I was just doing it. It was just all happening, yeah. Right. Sweet. And my parents were, were vocal technique nerds, as I like to call them. Um, <laughs> my dad my dad now has a, ma- they w- were both opera singers, classically trained opera singers oh, as well. Wow. And my dad now has a master's in voice and my mom is in the last few months of uh, finishing her PhD, her doctorate in, in vocal performance. So I received a lot of vocal technique over my entire life, whether or not I wanted it. Um, right. And I hated it originally. You know, I would just be singing around the house. I'd just be like, la, la, you know, whatever. And my mom would be like, drop your jaw. <laughs> Feel the space. <laughs> I'm doing it now. <laughs> I'm trying and to so, lengthen my neck. <laughs> right, right. And, so I was, and I'd be like, God, just let me sing. You yeah, know? just let I'm me just, be free. I want to be a butterfly. <laughs> just, just leave me alone. And, um, and, but I didn't. And... So, but it was great because then later I got to use all of that and I was unconsciously using all of that without ever realizing it. So, because obviously mimicry and melody and rhythm are all huge parts of voiceover. So, um, so that came back to be, you know, that came to be very, very helpful later on. Um, So how long ago is it that you left Creativity Inc. and what was the big impetus to get you out? Right. So, okay. So yes, Creativity was my beginning into commercial work into adult work. Um, I got my first agent when I was there. Um, uh, and That's a big milestone. Yeah, that was great. And again, I had the studio right there, so that was cool. I could just jump in for my auditions and then jump out. Um, and uh, then something kind of dramatic happened. <laughs> I um, was dating kind of a, a all-over-the-place kind of spontaneous wild guy. <laughs> yeah. Who loved to go snowboard, snowboarding. Oh, yeah. And he went snowboarding a lot. And I love snowboarding. I bet it love would be it. fun. I tried it once. I fell all over the place. But I'd well, try it again. And that, 
Right. So, and, and that is the main point. Snowboarding is a, is a dangerous, dangerous sport. Um, we went probably 30 times in one season, and um, I had a terrible accident. Oh, no. Yeah. So, I um, had a, I basically caught an edge, for those of you who know what that means, and uh, just uh, basically ended up flipping through the air, and I ran into an ice wall oh. on an ice embankment. Oh. Head, neck, and shoulder first without a helmet. Oh! Uh, going about 30 miles an hour. Um, <sighs> Gosh. I, so I hit at the shoulder, neck region, and the head. Um, blacked out. I don't remember. Yeah, no helmet. Sure. Getting up. Yeah. So, um, Concussion big time. Yep, I ripped my whole shoulder out, and I ripped all the muscles in my shoulder, um, you know, so it was just hanging there afterwards. Oh, God. Whoa. Torsion impact down the spine. I dislocated my fibula and sprained my ankle. Um, and then again, of course, I had the head impact. Um, I don't remember much of what happened after that. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was dating someone who, it turns out, um, had a very bad drug addiction. And he did not oh. take me to the hospital. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> it was awful. It was one of the worst oh things. Oh, my I gosh. Ever- yeah, it was it was really terrible, and it was um, it was heartbreaking at the same yeah, time. Yeah, dramatic, someone, big time. Yeah, they, and that you love roller coaster. You know, love. Yeah, from going up to going big time, speeding down. That's well, and tough. to be fair, you know, he was just as messed up as I was. He had had a bunch of falls himself, and he should have gone too. But he was not, you know, in the state of mind to, you know, to kind of, you know, he just wanted to keep going. And oh um, wow, and it was. Um, uh, it was it's okay. Well, you don't yeah. need that shoulder. Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. That's that's kind of guy he was. And right. um, I always loved that spontaneous thing about him and and how you know how much fun we used to have. But right. again, you know, there's a line. And I used to be kind of a party animal. I'm not gonna lie. I definitely loved to party. Right. Back right. In the day. Right. Uh, so I definitely was not always the safest about all of my party activities. Right. Um, needless to say, but um, it was just uh, that was. I and I've seen many doctors later who were like, "You're very lucky that you didn't die." To be honest, because I mean, I I hit my head going 30 miles an hour. I know without a helmet. Without a helmet, wear a helmet. Oh my gosh! I think even when I did my stupid, pathetic falling over, wobbling, falling, getting up, wobbling, wobbling, I had a helmet on because and knee pads and elbow pads because the guy told me you got to do this or else I'm not going to teach you because I took a lesson. (laughs) <laughs> well, and wow. we were doing we were doing like black diamonds and um, wow, and that's for those of you who don't know, except f- from skiing, I knew that the, that's like the hardest, hardest, hardest course, right? Yeah, I mean that's I mean, and we that's were I think the we most were dangerous. Okay, yeah. so yeah. we were. I mean, we were both. He was a snowboard instructor, and I was fairly athletic. Um, I had danced before that, so my balance was good. So um, we just we weren't being terribly safe about it. And you never know when something like that's going to happen. Um, so uh, and, and again, you're we young were kind and of crazy. And yeah, you exactly. Young yeah. and dumb. Yeah, young and dumb. Um, and uh, and again, we were we were kind of party animals. You know, we'd stay up all night and do crazy stuff and drink and all kinds of stuff. So. Yeah. Um, so, but that accident changed my life, um, dramatically. Thank you for joining us on Love That Voiceover, where we explore the people and projects behind the microphone in depth. Hello, you fabulous, sexy, amazing, and loyal listeners of Love That Voiceover. 
And welcome to episode three of my interview with Christina Malizia. We'll join back with my conversation where we left off last episode, a cliffhanger where Christina had just revealed that she had a traumatic snowboarding accident. We'll repeat a little of that to remind you of just how traumatic it was. But first, a side note of thanks for Christina, for her sincerity and openness for what you're about to hear. Thank you for sharing your story, Christina. And now, back to the interview. That accident changed my life um, dramatically. And the primary reason being, um, I had to obviously go and get a lot of medical attention. And um, my arm didn't work anymore. (gasps) I couldn't type. Oh, my god! So I was couldn't. I had to go on disability for a while. Oh, wow. Um, So, you know, I took a leave of absence from my job temporarily while I, you know, healed and I went on disability and um, saw doctor after doctor after doctor and it just never got better. It was just like never getting better. Um, And that's freaky scary, huh? Yeah. And I mean, and I was young, so there was no reason why. And I would see doctors who would be like, there's nothing wrong. It's in your mind. It's myofascial. It's this, it's that, you know, everyone had a different theory. Oh gosh, that's awful. And it's just, yeah. And I started losing a lot of weight. Um, I lost about 10 or 20 pounds, like literally just within a couple months. Were you depressed? Um, Is that why you were losing weight? It was mysterious. We didn't know. (laughs) I just started losing weight um, and, you know, not to get, yeah, and uh, I started getting really sick and I had all of this pain um, and we didn't know why. And again, I just kept seeing doctor after doctor. um, And uh, I mean, not to get super, super personal, um, I lost my period within a month of the accident. That'll happen when you um, have certain things go on and your body is shutting down the unnecessary areas. Right. Because it's focusing on other stuff. So uh, I just suddenly, my health just went from, I had always been kind of a tank and and been very hardy um, and athletic. And then all of a sudden, everything just kind of started falling apart. Um, I developed developed a limp, uh, plantar fasciitis, um, all kinds of, you know, what they call the cycle of dysfunction of of injury, one injury leading into the next. um, Because everything that affects everything as a system. And I kept, you know, uh, working through the, with the doctors that I saw, and, and nobody could find what was going on. I had MRI after MRI, and um, nobody could figure it out. Eventually, um, I was cleared to go back to work, even though I didn't feel like I still had a lot of pain, and I still couldn't use my arm for more than about 15 minutes at a time. And wow. But they cleared me to go back to work, and they denied me any more disability. And I was like, look, I'm not healed. There's something, there's something that's still not right. And right. they were just like... No, there's nothing. And I feel really bad. They kind for, of threw you know, their hands up, it sounds like. Yeah, they were, They just, they literally told me, oh, this is, it's psychosomatic. And I was like, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm 25, I'm 26. Like, there's no reason why I'd be like, I even had one doctor suggest to me, oh, that, you know, I was just trying to get on disability. <gasps> like, for. Okay. I was, I slap, was slap, really, slap. Yeah, and I was really angry because it was like, I'm not doing this to try to game this. I need to figure out what is happening, and you're being accused. It was really, like, to this day, I get very angry with people who either do take advantage of the system or for the medical, you know, the people that deny people who truly need help, um, you know, because they haven't found the answer yet. So I have very strong feelings when it comes to all that because um, I basically... Right, I had no financial support anymore, and I didn't have a way to work. Ay, ay, ay. So what happened so, when they cleared you, in quotes right. there? Some creativity said, you know, come back to work. And I said, I can't. I don't think I can. You know, my shoulder really isn't where it is yet. And um, 
I had actually been approached by, um, you know, some other um, on-camera options for doing some acting. So I started doing a little bit of that since it didn't involve my arm and typing and administrative could work. Could you move your arm at that point? I could move it. Okay. Yep, I could move you could it control could it. It wasn't just hanging there anymore. No, it wasn't hanging there anymore. I had like, I could move, but it wasn't very strong. Mm. And then for whatever reason, reason typing was just killing the fingers, me. fingers, yeah. It was like terrible shoulder pain, neck pain. The whole thing would freeze after a while. It was very mysterious. Again, they never figured it out. And um, so I said, look, I, don't, I just don't think I can. Um, you know, I don't think, I, I can't say for sure that I'm going to be okay to work. And they're like, well, okay. And I said, so I basically, I left. There was nothing else to be done. Wow. So I That's started a really pursuing, tough move. Go ahead. It was sorry. It was hard. Yeah. So I started pursuing some acting stuff just because it was fun, and um, and then I started studying to be a personal trainer. Oh, interesting. I had been a dancer for many years, uh, all growing up, and then um, I danced professionally for um, with a company at the end of high school, um, early twenties. Um, I did some Brazilian dance actually. Oh wow, um, that's hard. That's oh, it's fun ass. samba. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I tried it's to take crazy. a lesson once. I'm like. <laughs> That's why I liked it because it was so hard. It was like such a good challenge. Yeah. Really good exercise. Um, yeah. And it's so happy. The music is so happy. I love yes. that. Um, so, but I decided I was like really determined because again, I had been a dancer. So it's like, you know, someone just doesn't tell you you're fine. And it's like, if you know your body in that much detail, you know, it's like I knew kinesthetically something is wrong. Something right. is very wrong with my equilibrium, my center of balance. Something's There's off. something going on. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to study to be a personal trainer and I'm going to figure this out. Good job. I'm going to figure it out myself. I don't care. So. That's so often what I hear happens with people who are able to have the persistence and, um, I guess, foresight. Because sometimes, and I think this is a really good lesson for people in general, because this story um, reverberates for me and my boyfriend's life because he has problems that people, that doctors say, there's no problem. That's not true. Well, you're making it up. It's psychosomatic because that feels like the doctor can't come up with something tangible that they're educated, that they're experienced with. And because they're a doctor, supposedly expert, um, they feel that they have to be able to withdraw themselves legitimately. And that's what they do is they basically label you as it's in your head. And right. that gives them the ability to withdraw themselves and not have to have, um, I don't know, as the answer because they're not allowed to do that for some reason. Whereas Absolutely. any other expert in any other field that isn't medical, you know, if you talk to a marketing expert, they're going to say, well, what aspect of marketing are you interested? Well, I don't do social media. I'm only about um, direct mail. <laughs> I'm just, just guessing right now. Or, um, you know, I'm an expert in voiceover, but I can't do uh, tiny baby voices because my my voice is deep. You know, something like that. <laughs> so they like admit, you know, I don't do that or I don't folk, or I can't do that or I can't. The doctors need to be able to say, you know, I can't fix it for you. I understand you still feel it. I cannot find anything. And instead of putting the blame on you to free themselves, they should just stop right there and admit it. Yep, absolutely. Sad. And like our medical system often, like they only reward people who have just come back and come back and come back and complained and sent letters and demanded the attention of people in higher up, you know, uh, specificities. In hierarchy um, of authority. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and um, and like you know, for the general population, not everybody wants to go through like this pounding on the door, trying to you know. Um, but after a after a while, it becomes a matter of survival. And so I knew I had exhausted the medical system in terms of the people that I was able to access at that time, mm-hmm. with the information I had. Right. So become a a personal trainer I knew would help me discover and learn about anatomy, um, you know, the bone structure, and, and to hopefully start to piece together the symptoms that I was experiencing with what it could potentially be so I could approach an appropriate medical practitioner with more information. So that's what I started doing. I became a certified personal trainer um, in NASM. Um, I became a TRX instructor and PTA Global certified. Um, I certified uh, in Pilates as well. Wow. Um, only mat, not the not the extra apparatuses. But um, I studied as much as I could, and I just learned, learned, learned. And then that became my part time job along with voiceover. Okay. Uh, and so then I began to, but then that was the point where it was like, I started relying more heavily on voiceover because personal trainers don't make a ton of money in the beginning. Absolutely. Um, especially if you're working for a gym because they take well, the And majority. if you have to put yourself through training, you have to have that period too, right? Yep. So I basically was just living off of voiceover. I had to make it work. Right. Um, and even then it was still part time because I was able to supplement with, with my personal training income later on. Um, and... But that was literally like I had no other options. I had to make that work because I could not do administrative work. And that was frustrating because like at that point I was a very experienced talent coordinator, casting director. I mean like there were so many jobs available if I could just get my arm to work. And so right. it, it was a very, very scary time. But in, in that time I saw over 100 different doctors um, and most of all my income was going into just trying to find the answer. Right. Um, I kept I kept losing weight, which I didn't Scary, want to happen. Right. Just kept happening. Eventually, I was holding about ninety pounds. Oh that was wow! About, How tall yeah, are was, you? I'm five two. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah, really low. I, you're yeah, on. The, you're very, definitely below. Yeah, I was very very thin. Um, and the food I was eating a ton of food, but I was discovering again through my studies um, that certain types of workouts would make me feel better for short periods of time, and they were all spinal. Uh, workouts, things to support my back. And so if I did like these heavy strength endurance workouts, focusing on um, keeping my my spine in a straight position and and reinforcing that posture, I would feel better. And a lot of the pain would, a residual pain in my feet and my limbs would be reduced. So uh, over time I pieced together, I have a spinal injury Mm -hmm. and I have a a massive rotation in my spine, kind of like a DNA spiral Mm -hmm. all the way down. And so I figured that out. And so, um, you know, then I started approaching other doctors with that information. And anyway, so over the long period of time, though, I wasn't I wasn't able to maintain being a trainer um, because I didn't have the strength to do my own workouts and work out other people. And Mm. still I was again barely holding 90 pounds and I was eating a ton. I just my body just couldn't keep up with all of the physical activity. Right. So basically, through being forced to, I was forced to make voiceover a full-time career because it was the only thing I could still do. Hang on with that. We're going to take a break right here. This is a perfect, perfect cliffhanger. We'll be right back. Hey there. Thanks for listening to Love That VoiceOver. Just a small quick break to say thank you so much. This is my passion project, which means, you know, I'm not making money on this. It's just my way to give back to the VO community, which has given me so much over the years. So this show is my way of passing it on. 
I also want to thank you for listening. I'm so glad you like it. If you don't mind taking a moment to get a little bit more involved and you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe to the show and rate the show with some stars or some comments. Go to lovethatvoiceover.com and sign up on the list and I'll send you notifications when I have new interviews, new guests. Also on Facebook, there's a Facebook page, Love That Voiceover. And on Twitter, you can chat with me after you've listened to a show. Just send me a note at lovethatvo. And we're back, and she is 90 pounds, unable to continue being a personal trainer because she is basically not able to keep the energy going because she doesn't understand why she can't gain weight, and she doesn't have the energy enough, even though she's eating a lot, to keep it going for her personal workouts and her personal training clients. So she's decided voiceover is the thing that's got to pay for me. Yep. I was exhausted. It was the only thing I could do. Yeah. And um, I remember just being like, okay. You know, and I literally, my only other option at that point was I could go home and live with my parents. You know, that was the only other thing. Like, if I got sick enough, like, that was probably what was going to happen. Right. But literally at that time, just, you know, like, the level of pain, I could barely walk, like, half a block or a block without, you know, my feet just killing me. It was... It was really like the pain level on a daily basis was probably about an eight, you know, out eight of, or nine I, out, of um, 10. Yeah, out of 10. And I started um, going into a depression because sure, it's just I was waiting you, for that. Yeah. Yeah. Chronic pain is one of, I think, the worst. Um, you know, if you wake up with that every day, it's hard to even someone very optimistic and outgoing and, and upbeat, which I am. I'm an extremely sunshiny person. It'll get you. Yeah, it'll get you. Um, and um San Francisco, where I was living, is, is rainy and, and You're in the cold. city. Oh, you were in the yet. city. Uh, were you in the sunset area, which is like cloudy and overcast all the time? I, I lived in Cal Hollow. Okay. Um, that gets some I lived, sun. I know the area, bit. everybody. So <laughs> a little I, bit here and there, I can remember. I lived in like this basement underneath of Victoria, That's and I had like the though. cheapest room in the house. Right. Like yeah. it wasn't even officially an apartment. Like it was <laughs> like, it. yeah. I totally oh, it wasn't. It was illegal. It was like, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was I know. I I know. I lived in a building where there was one underneath me, and unfortunately, they person that was there that was illegal. You know, they like kicked him out because they got covered they got figured out they got discovered and then some homeless guy snuck in there so because it was beneath me I figured it out because I heard somebody because I had a balcony above it and uh, so yeah I totally understand the whole illegal thing and California right. is kind of you know they are right. they do that yep so you but were living in a basement which is kind of dark and dank it was like tiny too like I mean like it was just minuscule and it was dark there was no natural light like if you stayed in there like you didn't know if it was day or night which oh my was God. also not not good for the depression thing because no. you don't have like the natural cycles of day and light so I was just like oh my god and of course um you know the parking is awful there so I mean I, I was like it took me two hours to find parking every night yeah. going home yeah and anywhere um, in San Francisco is pretty much a nightmare for parking so it was just, um, I was very unhappy. I was just so unhappy. So I started researching. I was like, I will not be depressed anymore. This is not who I am. This is not like just, uh, no. Right, right. <laughs> so I got, I got like full spectrum lighting, 
You know, Great. I started awesome. I like went out in the sun to like make sure my cycles were on. Right. I started like and I just started researching how do I make myself happy again? And I was like I narrowed it down to the fact that I was terrified of being a full-time voice actor oh because gosh. I had watched terrified because my parents had been such they had said such an awful honestly they had a right, terrible Right because it's all about being an actor and it it's all about being an artist and therefore it means you're probably going to be poor. I mean that's right. the stereotypical yeah. And, and I watched my parents do that. I mean, right. it, it was very, I had a very poor childhood and, um, and I watched it rip their marriage apart. So it's not what I wanted to do. And then somehow life had made it. So this was my only option. And so it was like, man, how do I, how do I do this? How do this? I embrace that? Right. I had already made my, my compromise, which was creativity, you know, which was like the best of both worlds. Right. But it wasn't an option. So I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What a and life just, crossroads. It was terrifying, and I just and thought how, that... Oh, my God, and how long ago was this? I was... This um, girl is young in front of me, you guys, so there is just <laughs> no way you can imagine somebody having a crossroads like this at this stage of life. I don't think I've ever even had a crossroads like that. It, it's Difficult uh, choice. The worst part actually was later, which was sort of interesting. But anyway, we'll get to that. But um, <sighs> I, I was 27, Okay, and I basically was like, okay... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this happen. I'm going to be a full-time voice actor, but I'm not going to be dumb about it. I'm not going to be ADD about it. I'm not going to wish that a star fell down and just I become amazing. Or I'm going to do this through education and study and practicality and tenacity and organization. So I sat down, and again, I'm, I'm very ADD a little over, all over the place. Um, and I was like, I am going to focus and get this done. So I started just organizing all of my life. And I made lists and a huge calendar saying how I was going to block out my time every day to make mm. sure that I got this done and uh, made an income and, and that that or system of organization which I created is something that I use later on in coaching to help voice actors start to get a better a grip on their time and productivity mm. and how to organize their their daily activities because so it seemed to have worked it worked for you it worked well it had to it had to I didn't have any other you didn't option. have a plan so, B <laughs> there was no which plan is B. really important in a way for success that's what I hear I don't know yeah, if it feels so good from what you no, describe it's necessity it, yeah. and again it wasn't it wasn't even like a plan b as in like oh well you know i could always just go work at 7-eleven if everything fails i didn't even have that i understand like, I even yeah. do that. exactly <laughs> like, that's why you what? didn't have you did not have a plan b <laughs> but, right. and it's like, I, it was it was just so anyway it was just very Amazing. hard and so, um so then i made another decision which was um hard which was i basically decided to um, oh, no, actually, that's not true. Uh, here's, I suddenly was approached out of the blue. Mattel called me. Oh, wow. Nice. Mattel and LA called me. And they said, we heard you on a toy mm -hmm. that was presented to us by an invention company. And we'd like to audition you to be um, our new little mommy bilingual voice. Um, and little mommy is a, is a, a doll line of Mattel's and it's been around for many many years okay and it's just a little baby doll that talks and I said okay cool and I just referred it to my agent they put me through three auditions um and then separate auditions for the bilingual side with their Latin American team and all oh, kinds wow. of things it was very in-depth a very in-depth process and then they hired me and they had me replace whoever I guess was the, the previous little mommy voice. Um, they wanted me because I was bilingual and could do all the Spanish and English at the same time. 
And they said, okay, we want you to come down to LA and record like five dolls. And that was like a $10,000 thing. So yeah, those were amazing. Like I was like, yes, yes. It had been the perfect time. And so I was like, barely like, I just, like I was trying to go and like keep it together, like and pretend like, oh yeah, this is all just in a day's work, but it wasn't. I was like freaking out. I was like shaking. I was worried I was gonna lose my voice. At that point, um, my breathing had become very labored. My ribs had gotten very locked up. I was having a hard time speaking for any more than an hour. Oh a day. wow. Yeah, it was getting really bad, um, you know, uh, because and I found out later is because my whole spine was collapsing on one side and I, I basically only had half a lung. Like uh, all of this was just like getting compressed on one side. It was oh, really. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, so was, you know, this is a fascinating physical as well as uh, emotional and career oriented story. We're going to take a quick break for a commercial and we'll be right back with Christina and Mattel. And little mommies. (laughs) Do you want more wild abandon in your life? How about more time to practice character voices? Then hop on into voiceover improvisation. Yes, online on Skype from the great ease of your home studio. Learn more. Go to vo-improv.com or Twitter at voimprov. Fire up your neurons, baby. All right, back to the show. And we're back. And I am just sitting here in complete uh, waiting, cliffhanger, kind of waiting to find out what happens next in this wonderful, gorgeous, sexy woman's life to uh, find out. So they were in L.A. Is that how you made the move to L.A.? So this is, yeah, that basically I went down for one day. I recorded five dolls. I got ten thousand dollars, so awesome. it was like twelve thousand dollars or something. And I went back home, and I was just like, "What am I doing up here?" Yeah, in this basement. <laughs> and why would I keep flying back for these dolls? What if they have more? Right. What if I was down there and they had, and I had done toys for what? Like I don't know how many years at that point. You know, like what's 12, 17 years? I don't know. Amazing. And that's all I did. And I right. was like, Mattel might be. Where I need to go, right? Especially, and the, they were very good paying jobs. Very, they paid very well in comparison to most of the toy jobs I had ever done. Okay, and it's the work I could I could do in my sleep. Right, it was like um, I was I, and so I was like, wow, I think I should go down there. So I called my dad and I was like, you know what, I'm going to move to LA. It's cold here. I'm freezing. <laughs> I'm ninety pounds. I don't even mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, I'm leaving. And at that point, I um, also had a 401k that, you know, from when I had been at Creativity. Right. And I had saved a good deal. I had saved about $40,000 in there. And I did decided. Did you take it out? I did. Oh, and wow. I said, I called my father. And, and I didn't want to because, I mean, nobody wants to do that. No. But the point, I was getting so sick. And I think at the worst point, I was 86 pounds. <gasps> and my hair started falling out. Oh, my Lord. I was dying, essentially, you know, like I was near hospital, like yeah. it was, it was not, and people were really concerned. Of course, I'm sure you um, looked like a skinny little tiny it, skeletal girl. It was terrifying and I was scared. Yeah. So I was called my dad and I said, look, and I was crying and I was like, you know what? I'm going to empty my 401k and I'm just going to spend because, because you want to use it to I, live on while you were there. Right. Yeah. I can't. You can't I mean, take a temp take job it. and be a receptionist. Right. Well, you can't like, hear the phone and you can't type. <laughs> yes. But 
also, I mean, the, the sobering reality was I wasn't sure if I was going to make it to use the 401k Holy if I didn't use it. Expletive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, and I called Dan and I said, I may not make it to the 401k. What is the point of a 401k if I don't yeah. make wow. it there? Wow. So, and he agreed with me. What and a he moment said, do it. that is. Yeah. Yeah. He said, do it. Do it, hijita. That's what he calls me. And, um, and he said, I support you. I think that's, I think that's the right thing to do. Um, and so, and my mom came out and helped and stayed and we found a nutritionist for me. She put me on like a $5,000, $5,000, 5,000 calorie, calorie a day diet. Um, I had to eat every two hours. I had, it was just like, and we slowly got me back up to a hundred pounds, which Thank was great. Goodness, yeah. Yeah. So finally I was back up to a hundred pounds. I was able to, you know, I was in much better shape. My hair wasn't falling out, which was great. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to move to L.A. Yeah. I'm going to be warm, at least. At least I'll be in L.A. I'm going to pursue voiceover full time. I'm right. going to go live my dream and get a place with a hot tub so that my pain is better. <laughs> and I'm going to use this money to, to do medical research, to go to the experts out there, to find out what the heck is going on with my back. Right. And I'll just, I'd, it was this huge leap of faith. And yes. I was like, I'm going. Yay. <laughs> I saw you wrote a quote once somewhere in your stuff when I was researching you and it was dreaming out loud. Yep. I yep. love that quote. It brings so tears funny. to my eyes. So it's like, oh, she did it. Yay. I'm so happy. Okay. So now you're in LA. So now I moved to LA. I moved in with my college roommate. <laughs> I got a cat for my happiness. <laughs> Pets are very and helpful for that. And I got an LA agent, which was amazing and wonderful. Yay. And uh, TGMD talent. Yay, Ilko. Yes. I love <laughs> And I just started working and booking. And Mattel was thrilled that I was here. And in the meantime, I literally, I, I had pulled out maybe half of the 401k. And I just started approaching doctors and finally getting treated. Because I had, didn't have the finances before that to really go to really top level, top tier people. Because some of these appointments, when you don't have medical insurance, cost a lot of money. Yeah. And I had no insurance because this was before Obamacare. And I was denied every single time I would apply. Oh, my god! Because of the pre-existing condition. Yeah. So I was denied for medical insurance three times um, for having a spinal a 20-something. Injury. It's sick. Yeah. And I don't so mean that in a fun, sick way. Yeah. I mean, it in was, a sick, pathetic way that our systems yeah. are like that. Yeah. So sorry you had to go through that. It's, you know, it's life. But anyway, you know, I mean, those doctor's appointments were like two or three hundred dollars a pop yeah. sometimes. Of so, but I, right. So that's what I started doing. And then um, shortly thereafter, I met my husband. We went on a date. And shortly after that, I met the doctor that figured out I took x-rays of my neck and my head and discovered that I had basically dislocated um, a bone at the top of my spinal column. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Right. And the orthopedists, when they do MRIs, if they see a slight deviation in C1 or C2, they don't really address it. Because once you start talking about stuff like that, you get into like fusion surgery and other things that also have very high risk um, procedures involved Mm -hmm. in them. You know, so they just tell you you're fine. And there's people who have deviations that have no problems. Mm. But, um, mm. you know, this is, uh, you know, they've, they've come a long way with, with spinal injuries nowadays. But basically, I, I ended up finding someone who found this. And they said, look, you know, we can fix this. But you've been in a, you know, your whole spine has contorted to, to you know. To address it? To kind of adjust? Right? Okay. Exactly. So it's like, I mean, it's like whenever you injure something, you end up compensating. In yeah, some exactly. Way. Right. 
So at that point, I had a really significant limp. Um, I had terrible pain standing any more than 10 minutes at a time. Um, I had to stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, which is why I burned so many calories throughout the day. Like, yeah, <laughs> we all need to burning, stand guys. up and sit down a little bit more yeah. usually. Um, so they're like, we can fix this, but it's going to be a lengthy process. Um, it's not going to happen overnight and we're not exactly sure what's going to happen because all of your brain patterning and all of the neuromusculature has altered to be in this new pattern, you know, this, this compensation pattern that you've been in four years at that point. Right. And I was like, let's do it, you know, let's do it. And we did. And I had just met my husband, like just met him. This is the guy you were talking about. He brings up Riot Games and that you were the, yeah, okay. Yep. You didn't know that you were the superstar that you were, yeah. (laughs) And he was adorable and wonderful. And I, you know, he was great. And, but I knew that I had to do this, but we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. So I told him, I said, I was like, I really like you, but you know, I have to do this thing. And I have no idea what's going to happen to my body, to me, how much I'm going to be available. I I, I just don't know. And he was like, no, sounds great. Let's let's do it. I want to be a part of it. And I was like, okay. Until next time, thanks for listening to Love That Voiceover. Lots of love to you. You sexy, beautiful, adorable person. Take care.